Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hey everyone, welcome to Summit Church this weekend. I hope you're having an incredible day. My name is Mel Massengale and I'm one of the pastors here at Summit. And I am Kim Massengale and it is so exciting to be with you today. No matter how you're joining us today, no matter what platform you're joining us from, we just want to say thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, we hope you have an incredible time with us. I pray that God's blessed you already. Uh, we are continuing the series that we uh, actually were finishing the series that we started 10 weeks ago. We're in week 10 of our 10 week series, Questions Jesus Asked. And we uh, asked you last weekend if you would help us with this weekend's message by simply uh, taking a video of you and maybe your family even, if you'd like, include them, um, turn your phone sideways, no vertical videos, and just do a video of telling us who Jesus is, who do you say that I am, is the question we're looking at today in our, in our passage, but we want you to answer that question too. Who do you say Jesus is? And so hopefully as we walk through this together today, it'll, uh, it'll help inspire you a little bit and help you kind of unpack that for your own life. Um, and so, yeah, we'd love for you to be a part of that and love for you to, to jump into that as well. So today we're just looking at the questions Jesus asked, and we've kind of talked about this over the last few weeks and looked at this over the last few weeks. Uh, do you feel like God has kind of spoken anything to you during this series? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love revisiting just all of these questions. I mean, and there's so much more that we didn't, that you didn't cover. I mean, yeah. We could have gone on for all year mm -hmm. <laughs> talking about the questions that Jesus asked. But yeah, I mean, it, they've just been really powerful. So I've gleaned so much and God's really spoken to my heart, like especially last week's message in particular. I just feel like, you know, we didn't plan this series ahead of time. Um, this was I mean, we did yeah. plan it ahead of time, yeah. but we didn't plan it for this time. Right. But it's just so cool to me how God orchestrates things. Like back in, what, November when we planned this series, um, God orchestrated it for such a time as this, for right now. Yeah, so no that's doubt. pretty awesome. Yeah, and the way we kind of plan our series out, um, yeah, I think it was in October we sat down and walked through and talked about our theme for this year's, you know, Terra Incognita and uh, laid this out. Even our next series that we're going to start next weekend is on rest, and I feel like it's going to be really helpful. But I mean, again, God knew what he was doing when he laid it out like he did. And so, uh, so yeah, that's our hope and our prayers that this series has been helpful for you and for your family. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 today. And uh, it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some people say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so Jesus just asked this, asked this question to his followers. He says, hey, what, is, what are the rumors going around? What, are, what is the buzz about who I am? Tell me, what do, who do people say that I am? And so they respond and they give all these different answers of who people have speculated that he might be. Well, I think he is, and I believe he is. And they've even said, you know, maybe he's John the Baptist. Like the spirit of John the Baptist has been reincarnated in Christ, or maybe, or in Jesus, maybe uh, one of the, the prophets have been, you know, basically brought back to earth through you. You know, nobody's really sure is, is what they respond. And then I love what Jesus says, and he just turns it and he points it directly at them. And he says in verse 15, 
but who do you say that I am? And he just asked them point blank, what about you? And what he's saying basically is it doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what the people around you say. What really matters is um, who do you say that I am? And, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I know for me, there have been seasons of my life that I responded to Christ differently, that I identified him differently. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I think about this question, it like just strikes such emotion in me of remembering specific times that I heard Jesus whisper like that exact question to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I know... I know um, my, my background was uh, that I never quite felt saved enough. Like I always felt like I was earning it or working for it. And so, you know, I was, I was more motivated in my relationship with Christ out of fear, you know, of missing heaven or fear of going to hell. Exactly. And so in some ways for me, initially Jesus was just a rescuer. He was just, hey, he's going to save me from hell. And, uh, and I even remember as a child in Sunday school having a teacher say, hey, you don't, you know, heaven's real and you don't want your parents going to heaven without you, do you? And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if that is the most biblically sound way to approach <laughs> salvation with children. But I remember this fear that like, I, hey, I want to be saved. And so Jesus was very much a savior for me at that point. Um, but I know in our marriage, we've seen him as, uh, provider or as, you know, different things at different points in our life. And has that been in your experience as well? Absolutely. I mean, for sure, for sure, Savior, but not just like a ticket out of hell mm-hmm. kind of Savior, but Redeemer and provider and healer and, um, and Emmanuel, God with us, you know, all of those, all of those things. Yeah. And I think it's, as, as I grow in Christ, the more I'm mature, the easier it is to see him for who he really is, the more I get to know his heart and his character. Um, and so really what we want to do is we want to take a few minutes today and just unpack a few ideas with you, because I really do feel like uh, there are three things in our lives that will testify about who we say Jesus is. And there are three areas that we kind of look at. And so I, I just want us to unpack those together. And the first one is just how our words um, say who Jesus is, you know. And so our words are so powerful, and at times I forget that. I forget the power and the weight of what comes out of my mouth. And, you know, when Jesus was asking his disciples this, he, he really... Um, wanted to know, like, who they thought he was. I yeah. mean, he, they were followers of him. They went everywhere with him. And so he didn't, it's fine that, you know, he was kind of asking, um, he wasn't necessarily asking who do, who does everybody else think that I am, you know, but who do you guys, who do you girls think that I am? Who do you as individuals believe that I am? And he's asking the same of us today. Mm -hmm. Like, who do we say Jesus is with our words? And do our words declare that Jesus is Christ, that he is redeemer, that he is healer, that he is the one and only way to heaven, that he is our only source of hope? You know, does that come out of our mouths? Do we declare that not only to ourselves, but to others, you know, or is it something that we keep quiet? But, um, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, Peter in this story, how, um, you know, Peter was the first one to answer Mm -hmm. Jesus and to say, like, I, you're the, 
you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Um, But I find it so interesting that even though Peter was the first one to declare him as Messiah um, and answer him right then, Peter also with his mouth, with his words, when Jesus was being taken away, denied him three times. Um, And I identify with that so much because I would like to say that, oh, I'm always declaring Jesus as Lord. Like, I'm always declaring his goodness and his faithfulness and who he is, but the fact is, is I'm, I'm a sinner too. Like there are days where declarations of hope and faith and trust don't come out of my mouth. And I'm just like Peter where maybe I don't blatantly deny who Jesus is, but, but sometimes with my words, I declare the lack of who I believe that he really is. And, and so, um, but the beauty of of Jesus is that he redeems all things. So we see later after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared a third time to the disciples and he invites them to come eat breakfast Mm -hmm. with him on the shore. And right then and there, he asks Peter, you know, do you love me? And gives Peter this restorative, this redeeming moment and um, Peter is able to redeem with his words, and, and there, you know, Jesus begins to just, um, you know, talk to Peter and love Peter, and um, and so I just love that that is who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. That he is, he gives us grace in the moments where we don't declare him with our mouths. Like he gives us those moments where we can redeem our words, and I'm just so grateful for that. But. Um, you know, Proverbs 18:21, and I love what it says in the message. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Yeah. And so we either get to, with our words, declare life. We get to declare who Jesus is, or we declare death. We declare how terrible the world is and that God's actually not in control. Um, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, so that's just convicting to me is that we have to guard our words. And if I'm going to declare that I'm a Christ follower— I want, I want to make sure that what is coming out of my mouth, like, isn't so, like, super spiritual where I can't relate to people. Or preachy. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but that I do talk differently than yeah. people who don't believe that, I, that I'm not, um, that I'm declaring the goodness of who Christ is and that, that I do believe that he's the Messiah and he's the Savior and the hope of our world. So I just really think that it's really important who we're declaring Jesus is with our mouths. Well, and when you talk about talking differently, I think for years I grew up thinking talking differently means we don't cuss. Like right. that's the difference. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and really I love what you're saying because what you're saying is no, 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 it has really nothing to do with whether you use a four letter word or not. It you, has so much more to do with the uh, direction of your language. Is my direction bringing hope? Is my direction you know, positive, uh, you know, is what I'm saying, you know, delivering something to someone other than death. And I love the passage you used and the way you said it, um, but the power and uh, life and death, the power of life and death is, is resident in our tongue. And, um, and we really do have the ability to encourage somebody with our words or to tear somebody down. 
Um, it's interesting in our uh, morning Bible study that we've been doing, um, we had someone just, they were just totally honest and said, hey, I struggle with doubt. And I really appreciated their honesty in saying I struggle with doubt. Um, but I don't know where the line is where we give power to that, if that makes sense. You know, where we say, hey, I'm, I'm someone who doubts, uh, you know, versus, man, I'm struggling with doubt, but God is still good. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely. And so I think sometimes I struggle with even you know, how to delineate between that. But yeah, that's, that's excellent. Um, power of life and death is in the tongue. Um, second thing uh, that we're looking at is our actions. So this goes nicely with our words. And I mentioned our Bible study that we're doing right now. We're doing a study in the book of James. And, um, and if you would like to join us, we've got a few days left of that. You can jump on 8 a.m. with us on the Facebook Live. Uh, but the whole point of James is this, this struggle between words and faith and words and action. And uh, it would be easy for me to land in James chapter one and two, where he talks about faith without works is dead. That, you know, the kind of faith that doesn't have works, that doesn't have action is useless. Um, he talks in chapter one about being a doer of a word and not just a hearer only. That we don't just hear what we're supposed to hear, but we do it, we put it into action. But really, you know, the question is, um, who do your actions say Jesus is? And um, I love this passage of scripture in 1 John three eighteen. it says, little children. And I love the fact that John referred to them as little children because they were immature in their faith. Let us not love the word or t uh, love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So he said, don't just say, I love you to someone because it's so easy to say I love you to someone. But he said, show them love, display love, let your, let your actions proclaim love to them. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verses 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as reward. You're serving the Lord Jesus, Lord Christ. And so what he's saying is, hey, our actions, every action we uh, participate in is reflective of our Lordship, who we serve. Uh, and for so many of us, our actions are reflective of us being Lord, that we act selfishly, that we're pursuing our own, uh, our own kingdoms. And, um, and so what we have to do is make sure that everything we do and again, we talked about four-letter words. Uh, we think if we just attend church that our actions are reflecting that Jesus is Lord. But I think it's so much more than that. It's, it's how we serve others. It's how we look out for others, how we care for others, how we love others. All those actions are declaring and testifying about who I believe is Lord in my life. Um, Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says this. They, in the book of Titus, uh, Paul had left Titus at the, the, the church at Crete. And he had left, and Crete was a small island off of the coast of Greece. And, and you guys have been to Crete. No, no, you haven't been to Crete. Not Crete. Cyprus. Cyprus. It's a sea. It's in the Bible. It's too. a sea island. Anyway, so he had left. He had left uh, Titus at Crete. He had left, and he had said, "Hey, I need you to finish some things up, appoint some elders, and get some things started." And so he wrote the book of Titus to Titus, who was overseeing the church there. And he's given him some feedback about the people in the church and about the uh, natives of the island because they had a reputation. And this is what he says in Titus 1.16. They profess, and he's talking about churchgoers, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And so what he's saying is they say the right thing. They, they, their words are declaring that Jesus is Lord, but he says their actions deny him. Their actions are contradicting their words. And I think all of us have known people uh, who have said the right thing, but they're, they're, 
their actions contradicted their statements. And, uh, and well, I've, I mean, I've been that person before. Yeah, I think we all have to yeah, some degree or another. Absolutely. But um, and I think part of it for us is is uh, divorcing ourselves of the selfishness that drives that because sometimes that's sometimes that's a mistake. I say something and then I just mess up. But sometimes it's driven from selfish motivations. And I'm going to say the right thing. I want people to think the right thing about me. But ultimately, I'm going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we've got to be careful. That's where we've got to guard our hearts. But, but Paul just tells Titus, hey, watch out for those people. Watch out for those people with the selfish motivation. Um, people may doubt what you say, but they will believe what you do. So they might not believe what you say, but when you do something, they're going to believe it because there's evidence there. Because what you do is evidence of what you believe. Um, and I've talked about this before, but, but you can say whatever you want, but you're going to display what you truly believe by your actions. So, you know, a parent says, I love my kids, I'm going to sacrifice for my kids, but they don't sacrifice for their kids then it doesn't make any difference what you say. What matters is what you actually do. And I think we've seen that in our lives and we've seen it in people around us. And it's tough to lead people like that. It's tough to help people like that when they don't recognize that in themselves. Right. So our actions say something about who Jesus is. And I guess my question for you is, who do your actions say Jesus is? The next question we're gonna look at is, is who does your heart say that Jesus is? Which is a little trickier in some ways. Uh, because it's easy to look at our, our words and our actions in a very black and white way, but what do you think about that? Well, I think our heart, though, is the root of it all. Mm -hmm. I mean, because Scripture says the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. You know, what's rooted in our heart is what is it is. It's the, it's the root of everything. It's yeah. the foundation for everything. And, um, and so the question that I you know, have had to ask myself throughout the years is, do I really love Jesus with my whole heart? Mm, you know, like not just a segment and part of my heart. Do I love him with my entire being? And, um, you know, Jeremiah 17, nine says the heart's deceitful above all things. So it is, it is confusing, mm -hmm. right? When we're saying to, to trust our heart follow or to heart. follow our mm -hmm. heart, because, the fact is our hearts are really deceitful, and I don't think we intend for them to be, you know, but we are so feelings-based, yeah. you know, a lot of the time. And so, so Scripture just talks a lot about the deceitfulness of the heart and how in Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So your actions, your words, everything flows from it. And, um, and you know, I think of David mm -hmm. a lot, you know, because Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart, uh, even after he messed up so many times. But yeah. he was a man after God's own heart, but, and he bore the consequences of how deceitful his a heart could be. Yeah. You know, David made a choice when other kings were out to battle, and, and David should have been out there too, but he chose to stay home, and because he chose to stay home, he was then tempted and saw Bathsheba and wanted her, and his heart said, I want her, mm -hmm. um, but then he bore the consequences of an affair, and then a child being born, and then a cover-up to have her husband killed, and, you know, David... Um, 
was a man after God's own heart, but his heart deceived him. And then he, um, he had all these cover-ups. But I love in Psalm 51, you know, we see David just come before the Lord, and we see him repent, and mm-hmm. we see his heart just bow before God. And I've prayed this prayer so many times in my own life, but in Psalm 51, 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so I think when we pray that prayer, it's declaring, I believe that Jesus is who he says that he is because who else could create a clean heart in me? Like, (laughs) we don't have the power to do that on our own. So when we pray a prayer like David prayed to create in me a clean heart, we're declaring, God, you're God and I'm not, and you have the ability to actually recreate my heart to put a new heart in me and um, and then I love in verse 17 where it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken uncontrite heart oh God you will not despise you know and so Jesus um, when we are declaring him with our hearts that he is the Messiah that he is redeemer that he is Lord um, for me personally, when I think about what does my heart say Jesus is, I think about all the times that he has set me free. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about the affection that I have for him now. Um, you know, not just rescuing me from sin, but yeah. the times that he's been there in moments of grief or in moments of financial trouble or any of those times. And, um, you know, I look at like even Mary Magdalene, she's one of my favorite people in scripture. You know, she was a follower of Jesus. And in Luke, it says that she was set free from seven demons. And we don't know what those demons were, but Mary had this devout, like she had this devout affection for Jesus and followed him you know, was one of his disciples, followed him everywhere. And then we see her at the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, you know, just weeping because he wasn't in the tomb. And until Jesus called her by name and said her name, hey, Mary, she didn't realize who he was. And then she responded. And then he declared to her, you know, go and tell the guys that I'm, yeah. I'm alive. And, um, you know, I just think about Mary and her heart, the heart she had for Jesus, um, because he had set her free, he was her deliverer, he was her hope. Mm-hmm. She had no other hope. I mean, she was possessed by demons, and I've never been possessed by a demon before, but I've, <laughs> I've, I mean, there's you maybe sometimes you've... Yeah, yeah, I knew that was coming. You know, but I... But I've certainly been bound, yeah. you know, by different things, and and so... Really, our hearts, if our hearts declare that he's Lord of our lives, if our hearts declare that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do, then I believe that if our hearts declare that, then our mouth and our actions follow suit. Yeah, and you mentioned David earlier uh, in Psalm nineteen fourteen, He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was something... And, and nobody knows our heart except for us. You know, our God does and we do, and that's it. And so that's one of the reasons I think it's so easy to judge uh, our words and our actions because it's very clear cut, you know, and we can see that. Um, and there was a season that, that we walked through as a couple 
um, as we were leaving our last church coming here, that I felt like in some ways I was, felt, I was dealt with in an unfair way. I felt like I was wronged in some ways. And, uh, and one of the things that I felt like the Holy Spirit kept telling me through that season was, hey, don't just say the right things. Because I could say the right things and I could put on a show, you know, if I needed to. Um, and I could say, well, I'm being righteous because I'm saying the right things, but, but God isn't concerned just about with what we say and what we do. It's like what you said. He's concerned with our heart. And so that was one of the things I prayed over and over is, was, was God, don't just let the words, my actions be righteous, uh, but let my heart be righteous. And so that was something I had to work on because nobody saw it except for me. Nobody knew it except for me. And, and that's just where I had to be honest with myself with God and go, okay, God, you see what my heart is dealing with. You see the, the wickedness that I want to I want to speak out or I want, and it doesn't matter what I do, it matters what's going on in my heart. And, uh, and so again, that's where I would challenge you guys today. Um, don't just be focused on what you say or do, like Kim said. Um, make sure your heart is submitted to God in such a way that he can mold it and shape it and make it into what he wants it to be. Um, you know, in, in verse 15 of Matthew 16, Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? You know, and Jesus is asking you that same question today. Who do you say that I am? And we have an opportunity to respond. Uh, Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You're the one that the Jewish people have been waiting for. We have been dreaming about the day that you would arrive. And what he's doing is declaring Jesus' lordship and his authority and his power, that he is, he is God incarnate. When he says you are the son of God, it is not just something that he's throwing out. Um, and Jesus' response to this is powerful. Um, Jesus says in verse 17, Jesus answers him and says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, so Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. So he said, hey, this is a revelation from God. He's downloaded this to you. He's helped you see this. And verse 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Sometimes we've taken this passage and, uh, and we've taken it to mean that Peter was the foundation of the church. And that's not really the goal. That wasn't really what he was talking about. Even the Catholic Church has taken that and said, well, he's the first pope and he's the foundation for the church. But, but what we see here and what I believe Jesus is really saying is, is this confession, this foundational confession that you've just made that, that I, Jesus, am Lord, am son of the Son of God, that is what I'm going to build my church on. That is what the foundation of the church is, is that, that I am Lord, that I am the Messiah. Uh, and that's what changes everything. Because he goes on to say, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And I don't know about you, um, when, when our residents joined our church, we have uh, three residents that we love. And when they joined our church, uh, they are not just interns. They, they function as ministers in our church. And one of the things we did is we gave them keys. And I'm like, here you go. You, you've got the authority to come and go because you've got a place here. And that's kind of scary for some people when they go, no, 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 I don't want a key. I don't want to lose a key. Um, but, but we're signifying to them, we trust you. You can come and go. And so there's this air of authority that's passed on Peter in this moment where he says, you have the keys to the kingdom. So what he's saying is you have access to the kingdom. Um, and it's not that Peter is the gatekeeper, but what he's saying is you have access to the kingdom through the proclamation that I am Lord, that I am the son of God. And the same authority that he's giving Peter, he's giving to us. 
He, we share in this authority because he says, um, hey, by the proclamation that Jesus is Lord, you have access to the kingdom of heaven. And what authority we have in that. And he says it's not just to get to heaven because he goes on to say what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That There is authority in the spiritual in Jesus Christ because we confess him as Lord. Because we, we don't just say it with our mouth. We don't just um, live it out with our actions. But it's at the very core of who we are. Jesus is Lord. We have access to that authority today. And so I want you to know something. Uh, you might be, feel like you're bound up by fear. You might feel like you're bound up with doubt. You might be wondering what tomorrow holds. You might not be sure about your financial situation or relationship issues. But I want you to know something. Um, if, if you can confess, when Jesus asks you that question, who do you say that I am? In the quiet, in the stillness of your, of your prayer closet, of your bedroom, when nobody's around, if you can answer that question from your heart and say, you are Jesus, the Lord of all, son of the risen, uh, son of God. If you can confess that, then I'm telling you, you have authority, you have power that you don't yet understand and realize. You have access to the heavenlies. You have access to the authority of Christ. And I want, I want to encourage you in that. I want to and encourage you to, to step into that and to walk in that authority. And it begins with us simply saying, you are Jesus, right. you are Lord, you are the son of God. And so as we close out our time together today, I just wanna pray for you. Uh, those of you that are watching, maybe you're watching by yourself, maybe you're watching with a group of people, whatever it is, I just wanna pray for you. And so I would love for you to bow your head and close your eyes and just agree with me as I'm praying for you today. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you sent Jesus, your son, to come to earth, to live a perfect life, to, to be our sacrifice on the cross. And today he is alive and well. He's risen from the dead. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. And today he's in heaven making intercession for us. I thank you for that. I thank you that today, because of what Jesus has done and because of our confession of faith in him, that he is Lord, that he is the son of God, we have access, we have the keys to the kingdom, that, that you've given us access to the building, that we can come and go because of who you are, because of the authority you've given us. So God, I pray that as your children, God, we would confess you as Lord from the core of who we are, that we would walk in that authority, that we would walk in that power, and that God, I pray we wouldn't be satisfied with just getting to heaven someday, but Lord, I pray for each and every one of us today. Lord, we would have a deep conviction about what you're inviting us into, that God, we have authority here on earth, that God, what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and what we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So God, I pray that we would walk in the boldness and the confidence, knowing that our authority is not in us, but it's in you. It's in this confession that Jesus is Lord. So I just pray a spirit of encouragement on the people that are watching this right now. I pray for boldness on people that are watching this right now. I pray for a spirit of faith to rise up in the people that are watching this, that we will not be dominated by what's going on around us, but God, in our heart, we're going to be able to confess that Jesus is Lord and that he is the son of God. And I pray that we would walk in that authority and in that boldness and that power. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Yeah. And maybe you're listening today and you would say, you know, Kim, I have never declared Jesus is Lord. You know, or I, I did at one point, but I have walked away at my actions and my words and, and my heart, you know, have, have strayed. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus is he has given a constant invitation to come to him. 
and to declare him as Lord of your life. And there's no situation um, that is too far gone for Jesus to redeem, for him to restore. There's no person, no sin, nothing that he is afraid of. To, he is willing and ready to step into your situation and, and most of all to become Lord of your life. And so maybe today you just want to acknowledge I need to acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah and that I need him, that I need Jesus in my life. And so if that's you today, uh, you know, in your chat today, um, you can click raise hand um, and just acknowledge, hey, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. You can also text uh, the word different to the number 94,000. Um, but if you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to make that decision and declare um, him as Lord of your life and, and ask him into your life, then I just ask that wherever you are, um, that you would just repeat this prayer after me today. Dear Jesus, I need you. I need a savior. I need a redeemer. And I just ask that you would come into my life, that you would cleanse me, that you would make me whole, and that you would forgive me of all of my sin. Today I choose to follow you all of my days. Thank you, Jesus for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. And so wherever you're at today, it says in scripture that all of heaven celebrates when just one comes to know him. And so I just want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate with you that your life is made different today. And so again, if you made that decision, you can click raise hand in your chat or you can text the word salvation. I'm sorry the word different <laughs> to 94,000. And you'll see that on your screen as well today. But uh, we want to follow up with you, get some resources in your hands. I send you a Bible if you don't have a Bible. But um, we don't want you to do this journey alone. We want to partner with you. And we just want you to know how proud we are of you today. And we can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. And we're so honored that you would worship with us today. And for those of you that made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life uh, and to acknowledge and just answer that question, you are Lord, you are the Son of God. Uh, that's huge. And so thank you for making that decision today. And like Kim said, I want to echo that. We want to help you. So respond. Let us know about your decision today, and we're going to help you any way we can. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. It really is an honor and privilege. I do want to encourage you. Um, we would love uh, for you to participate in this, uh, in this series as we're wrapping up. So take a video of yourself just saying, who do you say Jesus is? And send it to us. You can send it to media at summitpa.church. Um, get those to us as quick as you can, and we're going to use those, compile them. You do it with your family, your spouse, uh, whoever, that you can be with without social distancing. And, uh, and we would love to see that. We would love to use that. Uh, guys, I want you to know I love you more than you know, and we're so glad we get to be your pastors. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.